listening to Barstool Bender. Welcome back to another awesome episode of Barstool Banter. I'm your host, Dave. With me, as always, is the amazing and beautiful Nikki. Hello. And we cannot forget our very funny and somewhat talented bartender, Johnny. Man, those compliments are just starting to decline now, but thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, Our guest today, he's the manager of Taste of Saigon, uh, Dewey. Welcome to the podcast. Me no speak English. Okay, uh, we're going to need a translator. No substitutions. <laughs> That's actually true, so. <laughs> I think we're going to need a translator for this. I don't know Vietnamese. Yeah. Anyways, uh, well, let's get this podcast uh, started the way we always do here on Barstool Banter with a shot. Now, because we are, uh, you know, phone conferencing this podcast, I don't know if anybody actually poured them a shot. I took one. Yeah, <laughs> delicious. We're, we're practicing that uh, social distancing here at Barstool Banter. We are six inches away from each other. That was the rule, I thought. Six yeah. inches. I, I I don't know what Dave thinks is six inches, but it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very strong six. Is inches. it because I'm do Asian you, that me? you made me sit like twelve feet away from everybody? Well, you did come in, bring it, you know, with a case that said "live bats" on it. So yeah. You well, hand, you hand sanitized my doorknob, so I figured you wanted to be as far away from me as possible. That was for your safety, not mine. And not for coronavirus, just other viruses. Because Johnny's gross. <laughs> He's not, but... You know. He's uh, Dewey's worried about anal warts at this point. Not so worried anymore. They've been around for a while, so... Yeah. <laughs> so, Dewey, how long have you been a manager there at Taste of Saigon? Um... Maybe 10 years. My family wow. actually owns the restaurant, so it was either that or get a real job. So, yeah, about 10 years. And before that, you know, everything else from washing dishes to cutting vegetables to cooking the books, you know. Well, oh, no, no. Oh, that's 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 what their uh, momain is made out of. They yes. literally cook the books. Oh, okay. My yeah. bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one quick question, too. And how long has your family owned the taste of Saigon. That's been since since they opened the restaurant, correct? Yes. Uh, well, we're not currently open because of the coronavirus, but um, in June it would have been 34 years, so a long time. Wow. So you guys aren't doing takeout or anything like that there? We were only able to stay open for about a week after they shut down in-store dining. And then because our distributor is based out of the Twin Cities, we had to look at the numbers and say, like, we can't make a half order. They won't deliver to us with that amount. So to order our normal order, we would have lost money because we weren't selling as much. You know? We don't have delivery. We're the only Asian restaurant ever that doesn't do delivery. We only had pickup. So we weren't slow. People were still coming in. But you got to think these days, not a lot of people are going out. Right. And people are also hoarding toilet paper. So their money is going towards other things at this point. Well, and I, I've been trying to make a conscious effort to go pick up places, like, you know, wash my hands before I go, whatever, but, um, and, and even leaving a tip when I do pick up, just because I know that times are tough all around. And, Some you know, places my $2 not. might Honestly, not. like, if you've ever driven around, like, 
go buy Culver's or McDonald's. The lines are oh, fucking insane. ridiculous. Yeah. Because not every Well, Gordy's I had that just opened, too. I, I posted was, a video yeah, of that. Yeah, that was the, mental. And their food's not that good. Not to down... I mean, I know some people love their fish sandwiches. Number one, I love greasy food. The fish sandwich is a little greasy even for me, and I like greasy food. I've never eaten there. Like, I've lived in they, this They area do burgers and, and shakes and all that, and I it's not either. bad, but, like, if you saw the line, I, I posted a video. It was two blocks long onto the street waiting for them to open. I think people are really In both directions. Yeah, it was fucking wild. <laughs> oh, and the lot was full. Oh, it was I crazy. I think right now we're in, what, the third week? It's third week, right? Fourth. It's been this, this is this is going to be my fourth week. I've it's been, been over a month. At home. So so for, fourth week. I think people are tired of cooking at home. Like me and Nikki, we've made more meals at home in the past month than we have in three years. Yeah. Uh, usually it was a it was a special thing that we cooked <laughs> at home. Well, we're busy. Go, yeah. So. You know, her with her bar job. Uh, Kids you know, and sports. Construction work, sports, and, you know, hardly cooked at home. And I'm getting fatter because of how much more we're eating at home. You well, also don't have to walk anywhere, Dave. We're not no, actually, doing anything. I, um, I probably do at least 12,000 steps a day at work. You know, I'm what they uh, call an essential employee. Essential. Yes. I'm well, actually losing weight because, you know, when you work in a restaurant... There's always food available to you, yep. and because of nepotism, you know, and because, <clears throat> you know, my family owns the restaurant, the staff are always trying to make food for you. I mean, they, you know, we don't eat what's on the menu, not that it's bad, it's great, but they don't eat what's on the menu. They make a lunch and they make a dinner for themselves, so they make enough for everybody at the restaurant. So normally, yeah, I eat really well if you work in a restaurant. I would assume yeah. any restaurant employee, whether it's McDonald's or the Olive Garden or the Taste of Saigon, you eat really well. Right. But since I'm not working at the restaurant, I am cooking at home mostly. And so I'm actually losing weight. Awesome. Can't wait to lose weight. I think I was to start with. I, I felt like I was losing some weight. And, you know, not eating fast food, not eating processed stuff. Everything was home cooked. Um, but then I got really lazy. Now I'm just like, all I want to do is sit on the couch because there's nothing else to do and I can feel it starting to... And I started buying ice cream. So and what's funny is uh, yeah, Nick, Nikki sends me a text here saying she's work from home, works for uh, an insurance company. Medical We've talked about it. I work for UHC. UHC. Uh, so she sends me a text yesterday. I'm on the fucking phone today. I'm like, is that a bad thing? Because you've been stuck in training. She's like, no, but they could have at least let me know yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Well, heads up. It's a different mental thing. You know, if you're doing a different job, it, if you do the same thing over and over again every day at your job, and then all of a sudden they throw you into something else, you're like, well, hold on, I'm not in that right state of mind. So, Dewey, you know, I, I learned that you used to be a DJ or still a DJ. I used to be a radio DJ when I was in college, and then I was actually the DJ at the Cove Cabaret many years nice. ago. Okay, that's a multi-level lighted dance floor, which was honestly the best job I ever had, because as you can imagine, well, honestly, just hanging out at the Cove was fun. Being a DJ there was insane. It's the only way to describe it. You do not look old enough to have worked at the Cove. I got the job there really weird, meaning, like, I used to just go there and drink a lot, because the Cove is a super fun place to hang out. 
I mean, it was really a sketchy place, meaning not everybody would go there. And a lot of my friends wouldn't want to step foot in there. But if you liked hip-hop or R&B, it was the only bar locally at the time that you could, that's all they played was hip-hop, R&B, and soul. You might get stabbed or get hep C, but it was a lot of fun <laughs> aside from that. And I used to go the there a lot. dangerous part of the fun. I, I went there a lot. So and I would get drunk and dance on the stage. The stage was actually my stage. I don't think anyone would argue with me about that. Like, the stage was my platform. I used to dance there. Well, one night when I was just shit-faced, like normal, and dancing, they fired the DJ. I watched it kind of go down. He, this guy named Wayne, and I don't know his last name. A lot of people around here know who he is because he had been the DJ there for many years. He fired Wayne in the middle of a shift at like one o'clock in the morning on like a Friday night. And I didn't really care because I'm just dancing and drunk. And then the owner, his name is Bruce. He looks over at me because the stage level is right next to the DJ booth. He goes, do you want to play records? And I said, fuck yeah. So I climbed over the DJ booth and started playing records. And then later that evening after the bar closed and I was still there playing records, he's like, do you want to, like, work here? And I was like, fuck yeah, I do. He's like, come talk to me tomorrow. And that's how I got my job at the Cove. Just nice. being a drunken Asian dancer, dude. It was awesome. He also used to do that at Stargate, too. Um, I don't know whether everybody just wanted to stay I didn't DJ him. there, but, but yeah, I danced there. That, yeah. that stage was definitely his. Nobody else wanted to be around him. No. I flail my arms a lot in my dancing just to keep a soul. <laughs> I was social distancing even before that. And even, like, attractive girls that would try to dance with me, I would, like, no, get away. You know, I'm doing my thing here. It's not, this isn't about I you. just have to dance. You know, where a lot of guys go to the dance clubs because they're trying to pick up girls. I'm actually there to dance. So, I know it's super funny, but it's no, true. That's Anyone that knows like me that. knows that's true. I wasn't what, there to what, pick up what's girls. What's bad is, you know, my, you know, when I'm, my DJ career, you know, I did it for three years. I know people like him. They just... <laughs> Go there to dance. It's like hot chicks trying to just like no, get away. I'm in my I'm in my zone right now. You stay the fuck away from me. It's usually her. a gay guy, <laughs> but not to say anything bad about gay people. But yeah, obviously a girl. No, they're fabulous dancers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't well, even call gay guys fabulous dancers. I've danced a lot all around the country, especially around this area. Gay people aren't any better at dancing than anyone else. Some people are just good at dancing. I am, and I really enjoyed it. So I did a lot of it, and it wasn't like I gave the stiff arm to a, an attractive girl if she tried to come up and danced, but my dance style really is kind of arms filling and kind of shit. It doesn't lend itself to, you know, like... It's not a duet Some Yeah, it's not like, oh, I want to dance with this girl. It's not the kind of dancing I do, so, like, even if a girl did come up and try to dance, it's like, what do you want me to do? Slow down my shit for you, bitch? Hell no! <laughs> so, I kind of want to superimpose that dancing baby with his head on it, and then just post that. <laughs> So what's also about this podcast is, uh, you know, we've got a bit of a reach out there in the Twin Ports, and if any of our listeners has any footage of Dewey dancing, please post it on the page. Uh, that would have been taken with a flip phone <laughs> cell phone camera, so well, I'm, I'm not sure what kind of footage you're going to get no, out of I'm, that. I'm picturing but... like that nerd that bought the video camera and just showed up at random parties and videotaped people weirdly. Well, the There's cold. probably not okay. any video, but I, I've personally seen a lot of photos, meaning friends or people I know during those many years that I did it, because I'm older, and um, not everybody brought a camera to a bar, obviously, and uh, that's before the age of smartphones, so 
there, but I've seen just on Facebook over the years, people have posted pictures of me on the stage at Stargate and definitely at the Cove of me dancing. So I've seen those pictures. I don't, I don't know if there's any video, but there's definitely pictures out there. Surveillance photos, maybe, or surveillance video. (laughs) In fact, what's his name? Bruce. Yeah. Bruce, if you're listening. uh, Nelson's friends, they actually coined a term for it. And this is many years after it began because it started when I was 21. That's Brian Nelson, right? Yes. Okay. But his friends. His group of friends that were girls that I met after I moved back from Sacramento, they labeled it because this was back when you could still smoke in bars. God damn, I miss that. I don't. I'm, I oh, do, I but I don't love. Because I was dancing and drinking at the same time. This is sad to say, but I would be smoking, but I would have another cigarette unlit in my other hand for when this cigarette went Jeez. out. It's really sad, but it's funny too. I do have a bar that you might want to visit. That. Um, <laughs> Is it Lady Vise? I don't know. If, there. I don't know if it's still in business. Oh. Actually, no. It's it's in uh, Eagle River, Wisconsin, and it's called Carrie's Wild Frontier. Mm. It is a strip bar Ooh. where you, you can, had me a strip bar where you can drink. Obviously, it's not like a juice bar. It's full contact. So I mean, it's oh, hand it's hands on, but you well, can so still centerfold. You can still right sm- but you can still smoke in the bar too. Oh, wow. So it is a crazy fucking place and. You can the, still smoke even to this day? To this day, because they uh, initially they were grandfathered in with like some sort of cigar bar yeah. sort oh. of legislation, and somehow they were able to roll in fully nude, full contact, titty bar, also, plus alcohol if license. You, if you label, I, I don't know if this is still legal or if you can still do it, but if you label your bar as a private club, a non-profit private club, you don't have to follow the, the no smoking order. I don't know if you still do it. They probably shot it down by now, but uh, you can do a lot with a private club. It's just the IRS is going to come after you for the nonprofit thing, yes. which you, uh, which uh, kind of hard to do something like that. Non for profit. It's like, yeah, yeah, let's provide some place where people can get shithole wasted, break my shit and still smoke <clears throat> in there. <laughs> so when this quarantine period is over, we should road trip it. That sound that definitely sounds like a fun place to hang out. Well, yeah, it's not that far away. I mean, Eagle River's I don't know two hours, three hours ish away from here. It's it's about forty five minutes the Wisconsin side from the the Michigan border on the UP. I hope they realize that you're giving them a shout out. Maybe we'll get like like a discounted rate on some. Oh no, I still have some of their uh, um, free admission tickets somewhere in in one of my jeeps. So nice, yeah. Well, the girls, like I said, when I moved back from Sacramento, I mean, I had been doing it for years before I moved to Sacramento. When I came back, I just took up my mantle as this, you know, like ruling the stage, I like to call it. But they nicknamed like what I do, which was just dancing and drinking and smoking. They called it the lightsaber because that's what it looked like, because I always had a lit cigarette in my fingers and I was (laughs) dancing and it was like a lightsaber. So that's they nicknamed it the lightsaber. And I. Actually, I thought that was pretty apt. It's probably what it looked like from a distance. Very, swinging a, a lit cigarette around. Very tiny, tiny lightsaber. Enormous <laughs> lightsaber. Well, he's Asian. He's used to it. No, that's where the stereotypes go wrong. I'm terrible at math. I'm an excellent driver. And enormous songs. It's amazing. But I do eat bats. Bats are delicious. Come on now. Well, I mean, <laughs> Don't knock it till you try it on the bats now. See, now I had something to add to that, and then you mentioned the enormous schlong, and I can't, I just erased everything I was thinking about. 
Well, yeah. Good for you. I was thinking about all women should. (laughs) No, are you talking about like going out and dancing and just doing your thing and having fun? That makes me super nostalgic. From I feel like I used to be able to go out and do that. Used to go out and be able to go dancing and just let go and have fun. And there isn't a whole lot of places that you can go do that now. At least not in our area. You're right. You're 100 percent right. And I miss that. I Stargate. Flame and Superior. Well, it's not Stargate. Well, it's, it's the boardroom. Board or the boardroom. Is Stargate cool? Um, it's called the boardroom now, yeah. yeah. Is it the same setup with music? and? Yeah, I mean, they, they moved some some of the stages around and kind of redecorated it a bit, but it's still pretty same much thing. the same thing. Here's the thing. Obviously, when, and like I said, I'm older, so when I first started drinking, Kerrigan's was still open. You know, Grandma's was still doing great business in Canal Park. And, you know, the Cove, obviously, for people that didn't afraid to get hep C or stabbed. And so you had all these venues locally where you could go out and drink and have fun mm-hmm. and go dance. I don't know if it's like that anymore. And as opposed to, you know, my friends that, you know, everyone hits the bars hard and heavy, like 21 to 23. And then it kind of levels out. You know, people are still going to the bars, but they're not going out clubbing, really, after a couple of years out. They kind of work it through their system. But because I love to dance... That carried on into my 30s. So where my yeah. friends were just going out and watching a game or just going out to have drinks, I would always leave at a certain point to go to a dance club. And I used to get a lot of shit about that. They're like, hey, hang out with us. Like, you don't have to fucking go across the bridge and go fucking dancing every night. Fucking just drink with us and have fun. And I'm like, I probably wouldn't even have left my house tonight if I wasn't going to go out and dance, dude. Like, I might have came here and had a beer with you, but then I would have went home. Like, I'm oh God, literally out so to fun. go and fucking dance. You do, so You do know we're not going to have any dancing here. That's what you think. I mean, I'm I, down. I'm I, down. I, I, I've still got my old DJ software on my laptop. Nice. Uh, I could probably get you going, but so as soon as we're I done here, turn on the rest of the bar lights. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not opposed to it. All right. I'd love to do oh, some dancing. We'll do some video of doing dancing later. Then. Yes. So aside from me, well, first of all, uh, you know, it's uh, been 15 minutes. So oh. shout out on the 15. All right. Cheers. Um, what's funny? Dewey, Dewey didn't notice the powder I put in there. <laughs> I have. I'm immune to your iocane powder. No, I, you know, it, I I envy you so much because I loved, loved, loved going dancing, and I didn't start drinking, and I didn't start going to the bars until I was almost thirty. So I could, Whoa! Had kids. Yeah. Late start. Yeah. Well, I had my first kid at 22, which is you know normally when people are out drinking and partying and. I did the responsible mom thing, mom wife, whatever. You should have just left it with um, your mom, like most of the girls I date do. Yeah, no, it's like don't do grandma's that. watching the kid. Now you can go whore around the bars. My my mom was very much that we already raised our children. Ah, these are yours. Well, you're prob- the kids are probably more well adjusted because of that, though. Yes, but I missed out on. <laughs> Nikki did a great job. Let's just put it that way. I have good kids. Yes, I have good kids, but I severely want to go just dance and let loose but nobody that i ever go out with wants to go do that i'm actually you know i made a list of things because i'm not working now it's about 10 items of just like home projects that everybody you know it's like oh i'm gonna work around do like the stuff that i you know clear out this area or put up a shelf or whatever so i have like 10 items i've worked through about four of the items on my list but I this just, is number five right no this is the last one because i just kind of thought of it more recently but I'm always planned on putting, like, uh, not a, I call it a dance club, but it's really not. I always plan on putting, like, a surround sound speaker setup and lights in the garage, in a bar. 
So that's actually on my list of things to do now oh is to have a dance type setup in my garage because I don't park in my garage. Two stall garage. Just going to put speakers in there. Dance club, karaoke. Just a place to Well, go. if you want the. Uh, can't do karaoke. If you want the. Can't go for this stereotype one. with the karaoke. Plus, I'm a horrible actually, singer. So oh, so am I, but I totally want to do karaoke. DJ Atlas in somebody's garage. Uh, you might actually know him. This would have been back when you were DJing dance and um, used to be MVP Entertainment with Mo Bomb. I'm not familiar with that. But, you know, he did a lot of college parties here in the Twin Ports. Great guy. Uh, you know, he, he retired. Got tired of it, basically. Became a family man. But, you know, he had a garage where he had huge systems set up, some CDJs set up. And this is way past my time because back then we were still all doing Technics 1200s. You know, we were all on vinyl. Yeah. We didn't do any CD, actually, at the Cove when I was working there. And that, I hate to admit that because it makes me well, sound this, super this old. Been, uh, this would have been 2008, 2009. No. Cove, yeah, that's still Cove a little was, bit further on Cove into there. And, I just before remember. Before it was, uh, Miss, uh, what is it right now? Top Hat? It was uh, Ropers. Lord Stanley's. Oh, oh wait, no. Oh, no, no. That was that was what Shorty's was. Now. Do you guys remember yeah. when the tro- there was a bar called the Tropics there? That was the first bar. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was Key West, too. Yeah, yeah. Key West, Key West. the tropics. Because there's like people there's were been getting like five stabbed different there. I was there one night when someone got cold. stabbed. I was like, "This is just like, like the my cold. sister used to work in DJ." <laughs> it was so sketchy. Did you ever go in that bar? Yeah, I don't. I think I've been to Key West. Sorry, Rhonda, oh if you're God. listening, I didn't mean to. I was you, there but... and someone got stabbed. I'm like, "This is just like the Cove. It hasn't changed at all." Here's the cool thing I will say about New the Cove. New paint, same hooker. And anybody knows, like I, I hung out with the Cove a lot, obviously, and I ended up working there at some point. A lot of friends of mine, you know, they're all, like, normal people. Like, in fact, a lot of them, I would say, don't come to the cold. It's not your scene. You know, like, you might be scared or you're not going to have fun. Don't come here. That's just some of my friends. People used to, that would say, like, oh, you hang out at the cove or you work at the cove. They're like, that looks really sketchy. Like, aren't you afraid? Or, like, this crazy shit happened there? And I'm like, it does. It really does. But at the same time... When I was younger, you know, you're hanging out at, like, Grandma's, and you're hanging out at Kerrigan's, Third Rock, all these other bars. Tenfold as many fights at Grandma's or Kerrigan's. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is when you approach the cold, like, it looks sketchy. And when you walk in, you realize how sketchy it is. You don't fuck around in a place like that. You know, like, if you get in a fight in there, you're in a real fucking fight. You know, you're going to get stabbed or shot. It's the fucking Thunderdome. You're going to get stomped out. So because of how sketchy the cove was, people didn't fuck around in there. Now, when I was at college-type bars like Grandma's or Kerrigan's, that's where all the fights broke out. I saw like tenfold fights at all those other bars. You didn't see fights break out at the cove all the time. When they broke out, it was like fucking roadhouse, meaning people were throwing stools and bottles. It was fucking wild. But it didn't happen very often. But that same night at Kerrigan's, probably 20 dudes threw a punch at some other dude for bumping into him, you know? So people didn't fuck around at the cold. That was a good thing about it. Well, basically, rule of thumb, when you're in places that are packed and busy like that, is you don't want to, if you don't want to be involved in that environment, mind your own fucking business. You're saying the stakes were higher. They're playing for blood. Or they just didn't give a fuck. It's like, I already stabbed somebody this week. I don't care if I stab (laughs) another one because you bumped into me. I don't know. I mean, and same thing, like... If you bump into somebody at Grandma's or Kerrigan's, they're probably going to try to fight you. If you bump into somebody at the Cove, they're probably not going to blink an eye and just move on. 
Yeah. Because when, when do you think that closed down? Oh, dude. I, I remember... Uh, I never got to go to the Cove, but... I, I remember maybe I was in, like, middle school, and they were airing advertisements about topless waitresses and bartenders, and I'm like, I can't Where? wait to go there. The Cove, man. Back. I never... That was before my time. I never remember... <laughs> I worked there, and I never saw any... Here's the funny thing about the Cove, though, is, you know, we called it the Bermuda Triangle, because before Stargate opened, it was... The limp lifter or the lamplighter, that's what Lady Buys turned into. So mm-hmm. the limp lifter or the lamplighter was the strip club, a very small one. And then right across the street where Centerfolds is now was the PC. The PC, the Pacific Club, was a hard rock bar or a hair rock bar. And then right across the street from that is the Cove, which was like, I guess, the quote unquote black bar, meaning soul, R&B, and hip hop. So you had this like oh. triumvirate of like strippers, metalheads, and like gangsters in a one intersection it was an amazing oh, yeah. time to be alive very, well, very close still hanging out there cause... yeah it was an amazing time i was there the last night the pc was open because we would just you know, if you're in that area you just bounce back and forth between all three bars yeah. strippers metalheads well, and really gangsters well, that's, that's how downtown i was there the last night the pc be. was open and it was packed Superior. and everyone was just waiting for a last call because people were like regardless friend enemy People just knew that bottles were going to be thrown and fists were going to fly. Not because of anger, just because it was the last night the PC was going to be open. People were going to go fucking nuts once they turned on the lights and call last call. Surprisingly, that didn't happen. The lights came on. It was a sad. It was actually pretty sad. You know, it is very sombering is. when yeah, a bar closes. Is the, the last night of a bar. We have seen way too many of those here in Superior. Uh, but moving yeah. on. Uh, not only are you a talented dancer, Woo-hoo! talented DJ, you know, an accidental talented DJ. I wouldn't say talented, but thank you. Uh, well, you're welcome. Um, I also understand that uh, you're in a you're a pretty good at skateboarding. Like you're an accomplished enthusiast. I love skateboarding. I'm just a mediocre skateboarder. I actually have a son that's a sponsored skateboarder, so that's where the there might be some miscommunication. My son. Well, we, we were about to get that. I was going to ask who was better, you or Carter. No, my son Carter is, and he's very well known um, locally as well as statewide because he does, you know, he does competitions in the Twin Cities. In fact, the last competition he entered, he actually won, and that wow. was in the Twin Cities. So Carter is kind of well known for skateboarding. I'm just a mediocre skater. I've never been anything but a mediocre skateboarder, but I love skateboarding. It's like anything you grow up with and you do when you're young, whether it's baseball or bowling, or in my case, skateboarding, it becomes a part of who you are. It's it's not a sport, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, It's a lifestyle. Once you're a skateboarder, even if you don't skate ever again, it's always going to be a part of you. So, yeah, I'm a skater, and I'm not very good. <laughs> but I have a son that is, like, competition level, so that's pretty wild. Now, did wow. he so, get into skateboarding uh, because of you, or...? No, and that's the weird fucking thing. Everybody assumes that because when I was in junior high and and um, in high school, I was kind of like a skateboarder. So people that know me, my many friends, just assumed that because I, once I had a son, I put a skateboard in his hand and said, "Go skate," you know, because that's what we do. What do you mean we do? Like I'm crappy at this. You try. Um, <laughs> Asian people. This is what we do, damn it. I've got to live vicariously through you, son, so become a great skateboarder so I can take yeah. granite, you know. It's take- it's really odd and I've had I've told the story so many times, but 
the first time he wanted to skate, I actually tried to talk him out of it. And it wasn't because I don't love skateboarding. I do love skateboarding. Whether I had a son or not, I, I, I consider myself a skater and I love skateboarding. But I was I was actually at the... Duluth does this thing every summer called the Spirit Valley Days. Part of that is the West Duluth Street Fights or the West Duluth Street Dance. They call it. I call it the West Duluth <laughs> Street, Street Fights. Fights. That's more accurate. Um, they didn't do this la- that last year, though. Yeah, they, they did, did do last year. Yeah, yeah, they did. They just did it uh, later in the season. Oh, that's uh, the lightning storm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because with, uh, you know, my food trailer, you know, I was supposed to be there, but, you know, I decided against it this year uh, or this past season because of the previous season where they shut down because of a thunderstorm. But Billings Park The threat days, of a thunderstorm. Uh, yeah, and threat. But Billings Park Days was still doing it during the thunderstorm that was 20 miles away. <laughs> Told you, you should have done Billings. But anyway, Spirit Valley Days. <laughs> it's not just the West Duluth Street fights. It's a parade. It's a bunch yeah. of different things for that area. Yeah. Well, I ride a what people would call a crotch rocket, but it's a, we call them sport bikes. So a friend of ours had. You're ever, not help, helping the stereotype at all. What? <laughs> I'm the only Asian person in Duluth, number one, that drives one of those. All my friends are like hicks. They all fucking. If you like speed, you're going to be on a rocket. Let's face it. So. One of my I'm friends. Just, I'm just picturing the yeah. gang from Fast and Furious right now. <laughs> Those guys are all in Hondas. I was on a Yamaha. <laughs> but no, my friend Adam Gerlock, who is a local guy that does stu- what they call stunt biking, meaning not just riding sport bikes, but they do the wheelies and the stoppies mm-hmm. and all the crazy shit. He had reached out to a competitive team from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Like they compete on a national level. And so, as a part of Spirit Valley Days, so weird. As a part of Spirit Valley Days, he got a stunt team from St. Cloud to come up here and do a demo. And even though I was super hungover at the time, I wanted to support my friend and the, these guys that were coming up all the way from St. Cloud to do this Oh, please show. tell me you showed up on your cross rocket. I did, of course, with my son on the back. And my son was only like six years old at the time, but he had a little helmet. But I was hungover because it, it was a Saturday morning, fucking nine o'clock in the morning this stunt show was. So I'm fucking hung over, but I want to support my friends and this team from St. Cloud. So I throw my son Carter on the back of my motorcycle, and we go out to, um, it's a hockey rink. It's Irving, so Irving Hockey Rink, which is right over by Super 1 and such, just to support these stunt bikers. And um, when the stunt bikers were done with their demo you know i got pictures with them with carter so carter is there with all these guys and their gear and their bikes which is awesome but they made an announcement over the loudspeaker they're like damage board shop which is the local skateboard snowboard shop in town they're like damage board shop is hosting a free skate and my son who's six years old at the time and didn't skate he's like dad can we do this and i said well, number one, I didn't tell. I didn't he tell. Would never ask, son. No, I didn't tell him. Like I'm hungover, but that's in my mind. I'm like I'm hungover. Like I didn't want to come to this stunt show. Honestly, I'm fucking like don't feel good. But I was like, hey, let's just go home. I have a skateboard in the garage. If you want to skate, you know, we can skate in the driveway. He's like, no, you know, can we do this? Because they were starting to pull out ramps and fun boxes and rails, mm-hmm. you know. So. I'm and he'd like, never done this before, right? Never stepped okay. foot on a board. Well, he might have stepped foot on a board like as a child. I don't know. Not, as much as any other child. Because yeah. first time I met him, he had a. He was probably about up to my knee. And He's not blue, much taller now. And had a blue mohawk. So. Oh. <laughs> but so I was like, in my mind, without telling him, I'm like, to do this, what he wants to do is I got to put him back on the bike. I got to drive all the way back 
you know, I live on Park Point. So I got to drive back to Park Point, get the skateboard, get in my car, and then drive back to this venue to do this. As opposed to just trying to convince a six-year-old child, like, I have a skateboard, you can just skateboard in the driveway. Right. He wanted to do this event. He wanted to try out the ramps. Yeah, the ramps and the rails, which, honestly, you can't do. It doesn't matter if you're six or 20. You can't just try that shit. No, I, I think, that, <laughs> like, like you said, you know, my when I was a teenager, I tried skateboarding. I was good at getting from A to B, but I could not do anything else except for A to B on a skateboard. Yeah. Um, just not talented. But as a single father, I which I am, I fucking gave in to your kids like you normally do. His mom had just left recently and moved out of town, so I did it. Hung over, I still took him on the bike, drove all the way home, got in my car, put the skateboard in there, and I brought him back. He didn't know how to skateboard, obviously, but he emulated what he saw the people around him doing, which were other young kids. And teenagers. Uh-huh. So he, he obviously at that point couldn't skate. He never stepped foot on a board at that point. But it's weird because every day after that, and this is not an exaggeration, every day after that, that's all he wanted to do. And that was a blessing, actually, because at the time, like I said, his mom had just left me and left town. Like, finally, I didn't have to, like, reach out to my friends and be like, oh, I want to keep this kid occupied. His mom just left town. Like, what? how do I keep this kid entertained? He found, found something to pour himself into. Yeah. That's awesome. And something that I could do with him. Aside yeah. from just something that he found, like, I could do it with him. So, Eventually. there wasn't a... For many years, there wasn't a single day that he didn't skate after that. Every single day after that demo, that's all he wanted to do. And he became really good at it. Meaning, he started at 6. He was sponsored at 11. Wow. He got his first sponsor And he's at 18 now, right? He just turned 18 a week ago. So he's been sponsored since 11, and he just picks up more sponsors along the way. So, I mean, I will give a shout-out to his sponsors, which are Damage Board Shop, okay. which is the who hosted that free skate. That's his shop sponsor. That's his most important sponsor. But he, DC Shoes is his shoe sponsor. Primitive Skateboards is his board sponsor. Volcom Skateboarding is his clothing sponsor. So he wow. is like highly sponsored because he's at that level of skateboarding. Kid's amazing. He's also valedictorian of his high school. I didn't want to throw that in there. He's going to be valedictorian. He's a senior this year, so I don't know if he'll have a graduation or a prom or anything. That just but, hurts my soul. To hear. Well, I, I mean, it really does. The, the senior so it doesn't bother me. So you're more. saying he's the next Tony Hark? No, because he's actually. <laughs> He was. We we've been getting recruitment letters for a year from Princeton, from Harvard. No, he knows that skateboarding isn't how he's going to make a living. Would he like that? Yeah, but he knows that. No, he's like a. a he's he's valedictorian, so that's what he's going to. You know, he's got a bright future ahead of him. He could he could do some amazing things with it, but. It, or it's great that he understands the other side it. of that is he will get a girlfriend and a car and like everything will go to shit. Well, you already got yeah. a car, right? He just got a vehicle. You're yeah. right, but okay, so and actually, he just got a girlfriend too. So I, I mean, he's probably he's about to have a fall. I've sense. had to I've had to stock you on Facebook yeah. for a few weeks to do this. So nice. Yeah. No, it's it's. Yeah, a, I'm glad somebody is. It, it's it's. <laughs> I've had to lock that into a dark corner of my mind. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. It's a lot of dark <laughs> stuff right, there. So we have reached uh, you know 15 mark. Oh two, shit! So another shot on the 15. Cheers. I do want to know why yours is so little, Dave. Ha <laughs> ha, that's what she said. 
We've gone through this many times. It's a fucking disability. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't pick on a quadriplegic, would you? It's cold outside, too. It depends. Was he going to be an asshole? <laughs> if he's an asshole, yeah, I'll pick oh, yeah. him. So, spe- speaking of shots on the 15, Nikki had posted this article to uh, Barstool <laughs> Banter the other day. A uh, top German doctor recommends whiskey to protect against COVID-19. Um, you know, it, it, he was joking, you know, discussing how alcohol kills, you know, the, the disease. And he had mentioned that you would have to do a shot every 15 minutes Ooh. to protect yourself. And so us here on Barstool Banter is what we're doing with the shot every 15 minutes. A doctor told us to do it. We're the real heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I feel like you read that a little cockeyed, but... We are... Uh, us four here right like now are flattening the curve all by ourselves. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Well, it's just like what my... You know, I tell my doctor when I have for stomach issues. It's like, well, what'd you change? I'm like, well, I quit doing 18 shots of whiskey a day and drop it down to a week. And she's like, well, why'd you do that? And now you have stomach issues. So you're telling me I can drink heavily. No, that's not what I'm saying. It is literally what you just said. And then how many weeks later your appendix exploded? Well, uh, a year and a half. year later. and a half, okay. Yeah. What does that feel like, by the way? Because I'm always like, I've actually, it's one of like my secret fears it is like was, I would have an appendix burst and not know it. The most you would know. You would know. You would know before it right, even burst. Right, I'll, but... I'll put it to you this way. That Thursday, uh, you know, it was like any other day, obviously, you go to work, stop McDonald's, get some breakfast. We're driving about noon after lunch, uh, had something else to eat, and I started, it started feeling like indigestion. Started getting very nauseous. So I started popping the fucking tongs. I get home about five, go lay down, so I'm still not feeling good. I talked to him about four o'clock, and he was, he was like, oh man, my stomach is When it happens, you know. Yeah, you know. You have to go to the emergency room. By five o'clock, I am laying in bed crying. I got home, I opened the door, and I could hear him. From the bedroom with a closed door, moaning and groaning, and I'm like, "What the?" F-? I half expected to walk in on him with like somebody else in the room with a noise or a low making. quality lube, you know, yeah. something not but real it, viscous. It was, it was like, like, what the it, fuck is going on? Hey, Dave, uh, exactly what you just said there is the whole premise of that one show. So I didn't know I was pregnant. Like yeah. that whole freaking. <laughs> you, you know, it's so I started having indigestion, and then all what's, of a sudden what, I was like, "Man, I gotta take a shit." Nikki, she watches a lot of Grey's Anatomy, and I've always asked her after the, the appendicitis how she knew I had appendicitis because she kept saying, "Grey's Anatomy, you have appendicitis." And we finally watched the episode. Of where the star got appendicitis, and that's what they, that's what she thought. She thought she was pregnant, uh, but because it is a prime time soap opera, you know, it had to be dramatized and everything else. Well, yours was but, more dramatized than hers, but I, I'll put it, you know, as far <laughs> it, fuck off, right? <laughs> I was in pain. No, so it, you it, don't it, need to know. I mean, you don't have to guess. You, you know, know, you know, you're in a lot of pain. You know, if, right. if you got a serious pain right there, yep, get to the hospital. Right or left side? Right, right side. side. Right, right side. Yep. Right side. But uh, if the pain is worse, like if you push in on your stomach and when you let go, and the pain is worse, go go to yeah. the hospital. Good to know. Yeah, um, and then you get to the hospital. Just tell them what's going on. Immediately start asking for drugs because it's just going to get worse. Well, you didn't even worse. ask for drugs. They immediately they asked you your symptoms. 
Yeah, and they get they the, poked uh, your stomach and automatically came in with all kinds of narcotics. Yes, I'm just letting you know right now. If I walk into a hospital, regardless if it's a toothache or appendicitis, <laughs> I'm walking in and I'm just gonna put my hands in the air and be like coronavirus <laughs> because I'm gonna get some fucking A class service at that point. You know, uh, just, they're gonna uh, quarantine me. They're gonna uh, put me in my own room. Actually, from I don't what I share a room. No, from you're what get I checked heard, into they, a field hospital. Like <laughs> they put you that in they're the starting ambulance? in the am or the am. Oil Arena. I'm an attention whore, so as long as they're paying me attention, I'm yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, if, if you get put in a field hospital, pray to God you don't have a, you know, some guy in there that was, you know, was in the Vietnam War, so you might have fun. I was in the Vietnam War. <laughs> From what I heard, I they, actually they bring you into the ambulance bay, and they stuff a, they, they shove a uh, cotton swab in your nose to, like, the back of your head. Yeah, no thank you. Isn't that a lobotomy? And then they send you home. That's through the temple, So if you walk in there... I saw Sucker Punch, and that's what they did. No, no, no. Lobotomy, actually. There's a lot of medical stuff on this. We've covered, like, before before we went According to Sucker Punch, they go through your temple. But I could be But I know what I'm talking about, because I watched Grey's Anatomy. No, no, they go up through your nose, and then with a hammer. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. By the way, none of us are trained medical professionals. No. Speak for yourselves. I'm I'm YouTube certified coronavirus expert at this point. So let, let's get let's get the, let's address the elephant in the room here. Uh, were you born in the U.S. or are you originally from Vietnam? I am a actually a first generation immigrant, which I love fucking lording over people because it's like a badge of honor, meaning like that I speak fluent English and I'm not living off the system. So yeah, I'm proud that I'm a first generation immigrant, meaning like yeah, that's awesome. And I'm you know also a college graduate and. Um, I only I have very few felonies, which is you know what I mean. That's like an accomplishment for a first generation immigrant, right there, right? A lot of misdemeanors and only like a handful of felonies. You know who else had a very few felonies? Right, Tony Montana. Right. He probably had zero. Montana. 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 Sorry. So yeah, I was born in Vietnam. I was one of what they would call the boat children, meaning not necessarily that I was born on a boat, but. I was six months old when I was in the Philippines, which was the uh, refugee camp. Um, so I was two or three months old when I left Vietnam. That's all. That would take too long to get into. But the story of how, like, my parents escaped the war and, uh, you know, my story is not isolated. There's a lot of Vietnamese immigrants in this country that live the same thing. If you came here in 75 when the war ended... Because the U.S. lost, even though it wasn't a war, it was a conflict, right? Police action, actually. Police action. Yeah. Um, no, it was a pretty heady time for, meaning like, my father fought for the Vietnamese, South Vietnamese, so working along with the Americans. Meaning like, his options were escape the fucking country or be killed or imprisoned. And he had friends that were exactly like i said either shot in the head had their cr- their skulls crushed in by oh. a boot or ended up in prison and that was your options at that point if you were worked for the government at least if you were a military police anyone that worked in the old government those were your options dead or in prison so like they had to get out of dodge yeah. So the fact that we made it here and made a lives for ourselves in northern Minnesota, I have a newspaper clipping of um, 
that was given to us by our sponsors. Thank you know I'm not religious. I'm, I consider myself agnostic, but God bless the Lutherans. And because no, I'm serious, because that's who sponsored our family to Northern Minnesota. I'm sure if my parents had a say in like, oh, you're coming to the United States, do you want to go to Texas, Florida? Arizona, California, or northern Minnesota, <laughs> Duluth, which, you know, we've had very mild winters up here in Minnesota for the last 12 years, right? The winters in yeah. Minnesota in the Actually, 70s? I came up here in mild winters. Exactly. We, but in the 70s, yeah, we did in, have that one Duluth, Minnesota like in the 70s cold, but. was not, well, it wasn't a good time for anything, meaning work or weather. So they came here in the winter... Can you imagine someone from Southeast Asia that knew nothing except Southeast Asia walking off a plane in Duluth, Minnesota in 1975? Oh, my God. I would get back the fuck on the plane. The culture shock. That was not an option. So so why did it become a uh, restaurateur then? This is the funny thing is my parents were both police officers in Vietnam. So... To make a living, you know, they obviously don't have the training and they don't have the language abilities to be become. It's not like, oh, we were police officers in Vietnam. We'll be police officers when we get to Duluth, Minnesota. <laughs> that was never going to happen. My parents met working in the police department. So they come here and as most first generation immigrants whose English skills aren't great, right? Even to this day, they speak English, but it's broken because they were raised for 30 plus years of their lives in a a different country. So you take the bottom of the barrel jobs, the labor jobs, the jobs that nobody else wants, and you make a go at it. So that's what happened. You know, they worked very menial jobs, and to get ahead and to make a life for their families, they found that the one way they could do that is by opening a restaurant. Even though up until that point, they didn't have, you know, they weren't cooks or restaurant owners in Vietnam. They were police officers. But in Duluth, Minnesota, like, how do we feed our kids and pay our mortgage? Let's open a restaurant. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I've heard wonderful things about Taste of Saigon. I honestly have to say I've never actually do you bitch. had the food. Egg rolls are to I die live for. Superior, so. Whatever that no, chili I, sauce that you have. The fish sauce. The, fi- uh, the, stinky, yeah. the stinky fish sauce. I do, fish sauces. I do love Vietnamese food. Like I, it's not I, Vietnamese food, honestly. Well, it's a Vietnamese restaurant, but it's a Chinese American menu. Just so you know. Well, yeah, okay, when I order from the Chinese American or Asian food restaurants in Superior, I always go. My go-to is the. Are Asian, you you're in Superior? The, the are Vietnamese you super food. bummed that the China Inn fucking just changed owners like a year ago, and the food's not the same? Oh, not really. I'm a I'm a Southern red. I don't so. want to. Do you did you not ever eat at China Inn? Yeah. It's on Bell Map. He he's not a big fan of no. Asian cuisine. You, I love it. You have to. Tr- well, they're not there um, anymore. Fuck! I would be like, you got to try their pork egg foo young. So, it's so what, good. What's funny is. Is my first uh, restaurant gig. I worked at a restaurant in Lexington called Shoto's. It's a Japanese restaurant. No, my my favorite was always it was uh, China Pagoda, and then they moved to Joe's moved, Pagoda. The, it was China Pagoda at first. They were down by the uh, Tower Plaza by like Tires Plus. Okay. No, now that's a Goodwill, but they moved to the Crossrooms Building in Superior, and it was Joe's Pagoda. Amazing food. That was my favorite place to go eat Asian cuisine. We'll go. My friend's family. Food. It's so weird because we're. It's not. It's a common theme. Meaning, like, regardless of what you did in your former life, like my parents were both police officers, and later on, my father got drafted into the military because of the conflict. 
um, you know, you come to this country and you don't have those same skill set anymore. It's a whole different ball game. So they do what yeah. they can, and so to make money for their family, you know, to survive. One of those avenues is, you know, nail salon. <laughs> Sorry, that's a laugh. I do also enjoy nail the pedicures at the, or the local nail right? salons. Or, or laundry. So, like, my parents picked, thank God they didn't go the nail uh, route, and they picked the Asian restaurant. Podcast if he <laughs> I know. Was manager of a nail salon. The one thing is I have, like, would be ashamed friends of, of mine that right own now. nail salons, people that... Um, you guys should get into nail salons. Those those people that I know that own nail salons are fucking wealthy. They're fucking rich because well, they do American women love getting their nails done. And they don't mind paying 30 to they $70 do. to have it done. They're falling over themselves to get their nails done and pedicures. I mean, oh, I can't believe how much money these friends of mine that own nail salons make. It's ridiculous. I go, oh, and they're going to be booked out for the next 10 months. Oh, too. absolutely. I go maybe twice a year for a pedicure just because it feels good. Like, beginning of beginning of Sandal season. Like, normally I would go to go get a pedicure with my daughter, like, right about now. Beginning of Sandal season. But I'm not a nail person. I'm not a... a I'm not affected by the vanity shutdown like a lot of the women are. Like, I actually painted my fingernails the other day, and they're all chipped. But All right, so I just we- did some quick math here. Now, my ex, she went to the nail salon once a week for nine and a half A years. week? Once a week God for nine damn. And a half years. Spent no less than $100 a week at the nail salon. Holy I shit. paid this nail salon over the course of nine and a half years. Forty-five thousand. God damn! So you know exactly what I was just talking about. Yes. They are raking in money. It is ridiculous. I, I could have bought a car for that. I mean, a very nice car. People keep telling me, you know how much you'd save if you quit smoking. Well, you know how much I'd save if she quit going to the goddamn nail salon. You know, not you, Nikki. I mean, you're low maintenance. Oh no! Here's the thing. I know I'm low, I'm very low maintenance, so I want to know where my $45,000 is. Oh, shit. <laughs> God damn. At any rate, I was... Don't you, just, don't you just know he just had a turd hit him in the face? He's an essential employee. <laughs> but and I think I was talking about food, and we got... Yes. Yeah, we got sidetracked. No. Anyway, I was super bummed when Joe's Pagoda shut down. Haven't found anything... I haven't really ventured um, too enthusiastically yet to find uh, Golden Inn. Eh. Yeah, eh. But everyone loves went, them for I some reason. I went from reason, Joe's though. Pagoda to China lunches. Inn. Those are actually. You want to hear. Lanchies? You brought up Lan Cheese. You want to hear something either. about Lan Cheese? That guy that owned Lan Cheese is my dad's best friend. Yeah? That, that gentleman was in a Vietnamese prison for 10 no years. Shit. Holy crap. They didn't let him out. They didn't let him out. Yeah, he no, I, escaped prison. Jesus. No, I That family, um, like I always think my family's so amazing for what they've accomplished and what they've overcome. My family is like a, a wet fart compared to oh that family from No, I'm I'm not exaggerating. That family from Lanchies, first of all, they're an amazing family. I know them. They're salt of the earth type of people. But that guy that owned Lanchies he was he was a government worker in Vietnam when the war ended. So what do you think happened to him? He didn't prison. He, he didn't no, he yeah, he didn't exactly. a boot or a bullet. Yeah, a bullet, a boot to the head or prison. He was he was in prison for 10 years 
in a Vietnamese prison. He, they didn't let him go. He escaped from that prison and his family who had already immigrated, his sons and his wife had, had already immigrated to the United States at that point, like snuck him out through Laos because oh, shit. at the time when he came here, there was still an embargo on Vietnam, which Clinton lifted in like 97. Yeah. So he had to like not only escape prison, but like navigate to another country, an adjacent country, just to get out of the country. No, I'm glad you said that because I wouldn't I, say their food's great, but the family that dude, owns Land Cheese are I fucking it. amazing. I love the food. Like everybody told me it was so shitty, but I didn't really care I'm, for I'm it. I'm also the but guy I love the family. that loves the restaurants that has the shitty food. I, I never actually because ate a Land Cheese. But... Some rich. Just coming from a food truck guy. I also don't. <laughs> everybody loves my shitty. Food you know, right? it's funny we haven't really talked about the food truck much. On, uh, uh, truck trailer, food well, trailer. I, we I haven't talked about um, it much here. We're, we're but, just gonna move on. It's, um, so it's not lunch. We're just going to... No, no, no. I will tell you this, just so you know, that family that owned Land Cheese and they've shut down since. <laughs> what is it called They now? are... Folk Alley. They're Folk. doing so fucking well. Meaning, the restaurant was just the father's venture that the kids worked at. Yeah. And um, he's retirement age now. All of his kids, and like I said, they may... I, I feel bad because my parents are fucking so embarrassed about their kids, meaning me and their other son. <laughs> Um, but the, la- the I didn't know you had a brother. To be Asian he's a, and have yeah, I don't talk about him because he's a fucking loser. Oh my God. But that family, <laughs> salt of the earth type of family, amazing people, friendliest people you ever met, they all are doing so fucking well. Like, land cheese, fucking, like, the food wasn't good, but that family... Yeah. Is a thousand times better than my family. It's so right. sad to say. So I've heard the third shot. Oh shit! We got time at some point. It's it's still relatively oh, early damn. in the day. I'm supposed to drink Bloody Marys with the redhead when I get home too. This will be interesting. It'll be. That was a good shot. So, do we, have you been to Vietnam? I mean, have you you visited there recently? Correct. It wasn't recently, <clears throat> but I've only been back once, you know. I uh, immigrated to the United States in 1975 as an infant, and it took, you know, 25 years for me to go back. Um, so I went back about 11 or 12 years ago for the first time, and it's one of those life-changing moments, really, meaning I got to meet relatives that had seen me when I was an infant. Literally, the last time they saw me, I was three months old. Um, I got to visit the site. Um, it had been blown up. Thanks, guys, by the way. Um, You're welcome. The that's, site. <laughs> that is freedom being delivered yep, to you. It was delivered. and No, but obviously it wasn't the... It wasn't, Some of us here were born. I get it. But no, it wasn't obviously the U.S. military that those blew were, it up. Those are freedom bombs. Freedom. Oh, yeah, I think I'm like the, the next oldest and freedom rapes yeah they <laughs> i wasn't born for another they, six they years explode and kill everybody and then food obviously it was out. the yeah. it was the north vietnamese government that blew it up but i got to well, visit the, the site the, the of where i was the born for the food. yeah uh, i'm sure all... southeast asia was doing pretty good uh, uh agriculturally before the agent orange so um no uh, <laughs> No, I got to visit the site where my the hospital where I was born, which is in the mountains of Vietnam, in a place called Dalat, which is you know I always thought like I lived in the most beautiful you know northern Minnesota is so beautiful, you know. But then like visiting the mountains of Vietnam is like 
it's ridiculous. Beautiful. So my, I, I got to go back with my parents. So my parents brought me like, this is where you were born. This is the, well, this is the site of the hospital where you were born in the lot. It's gone because it got blown up. But this is where you were born. I literally, you know, 30 plus years after I was born, I got to visit the site of where I was actually delivered. And it was, it was um, cathartic to be in a place where I was born and I hadn't stepped foot in for 30 plus years. It was, um, it was pretty life changing, honestly, to visit Vietnam after being gone for so long and seeing relatives, um, a lot of which I had never met, meaning cousins and such that I'd never met. And then also like brothers and sisters of my parents that had seen me as an infant, but very quickly, like we escaped the country. So they never saw me again. People I never thought I would meet. It was pretty wild. And now, before we started recording this podcast, you were telling me, um, you know, about this, you know some of the things you did while you were there in Vietnam visiting. Um, you, you know, being there, going there, obviously, you probably didn't have a lot of money, but you were helping these people out the best that you could. The thing is, like, I'm middle income. You know, my family's middle income, just like most people are. Or I guess it's less and less as time goes on, but... You know, my parents went from, you know, low income to middle income more recently. So, you know, you have an idea of what poverty is in this country. You know, we see, you know, Lake Avenue or where have you. There's people with signs. And we all familiar. I've done a lot of community service. (laughs) Enforced (laughs) community service. Damiano Center um, and things like that. So, I mean, we have an idea of what poverty is. But until I step foot off the plane in Vietnam, I had no idea what poverty was. Meaning to see a naked child on a corner at 2 o'clock in the morning. Meaning like, not just like, oh, I don't know, or, you know, my mom's off doing, no. Literally, not an orphan, like alone. A small child alone on a street corner. Naked, dirty like, I had no clue, like, what happens in third world countries. Meaning, like, kids get abandoned. No one's taking care of them. So, yeah, I didn't have a lot of money when I went there. But the little money I have, I just, just like I think any of you would, too. If you saw one of these children yes. or some of these oh women. Oh, my God, yeah. You just give, like, I don't, I don't need this. Like, you fucking need this. If it even gets you through one night, like, you need this more than I do. So any money I had, which was very little, I, I'm not a wealthy person, and I, I definitely wasn't wealthy at the time, any money I had in my pockets went to, like, everybody I saw until I didn't have any more. Um, my aunt, who's um, also immigrated from the from Vietnam, but is a professional, meaning she was living in Vietnam at the time, but she's educated on the West Coast. You know, she lives in Orange County. Um, I spent time with her because she happened to be in Vietnam when I was there. And she saw me give some money to a woman, obviously uh, a, a homeless woman holding a child. I, she saw me give like all the money in my pockets to this woman. She pulled me aside and told me, don't do that. And I was like, well, why not? You know, all I've been doing is like any kind of money I have, I just give away because I don't need it. And these people obviously need it. She said that. You can give money to anybody you want. Don't give it to a woman holding a child. And she explained why, which was over the last 20 years, women that were homeless or in desolation 
because they were panhandling, that was their means of income, what they would do in Asia, and probably in other countries too, but in Asia, especially in Vietnam, which is more recently a, a third world country still, they're making a lot of gains now. Vietnam's going to be the new China in the next 10 years, for sure, from what I've seen. But at the time I was there, which was like 12 years ago, it was still developing. She's like, there's been a lot of people in Vietnam know this, but you don't. Meaning these women that you see on the street that are holding infants. To be able to panhandle all day like they do to survive. They can't be holding a child for that long. Meaning those child children cry. They crawl. Right. So they get whatever off-brand, makeshift, um, cough syrup, whatever. They feed it to those children, those infants, to keep those children docile. So they can continue to panhandle. And there was an epidemic at the time, years before I even got there, of brain damage in thousands and thousands of small children because there's so much poverty there and so many people like begging that there's a whole generation now in Vietnam and probably other countries too, not just Vietnam, of that same behavior. Meaning like women using those children on the sympathies of other people, whether it be a tourist or just somebody in that country, like I'm, I'm not only homeless, which they are, they're not like, it's not like fake, like in Duluth where it's like, Hey, can I have some money for gas? My car ran out of gas. Like you get in Canal park. Literally these people are homeless and starving, Mm -hmm. but they're drugging the children. They're drugging their children. So they remain docile. So they can do that all day. So there's a whole generation of children that will be brain damaged as we speak and in the future from their mother dosing them to keep them docile so they can well, and also, also to keep them fed too so i mean it's kind of a hard double-edged sword there right yeah yeah it is and so but i didn't you know that coming from the united states and especially northern minnesota that never entered my mind i see a emaciated woman well you just shot dirty, the shit out of the three of us too so. yeah yeah dirty emaciated yeah first thing in your mind and she's approaching you and she can't speak english but she's just like she's holding you can tell what she wants like help me help me and my child of course anything in my pockets it's yours feed yourself feed this child until my aunt who is like i said lives in oranges county and is educated on the west coast but just happened to be working in vietnam at the time so i got to visit with her while i was there she if she wouldn't have pulled me aside and said give money to anyone you want don't give it to that woman because not that she's not hungry or poor or homeless, but you're propagating like this epidemic that we've had in Vietnam for many years, this. which is them dosing their children with whatever they can get their hands on to keep those children docile while they do it. Yeah, this thing they're yeah. doing is working to give them money, but it's hurting the child. Yeah. Well, that's the most uh, fucked up thing we've ever heard on Barstool Banter. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's just Vietnam. I would assume that no, any third world country probably doing very similar. And things. I'm sure it happens in the U.S. as well. But I hope it doesn't happen in the U.S. Like, I, I feel bad. I run in. You drive around. You see and you a homeless see person with a dog. You don't see a homeless person with a kid. You know what I mean? I haven't in Duluth. No, you're right. I, I really haven't seen a homeless person hanging out with a kid. Yeah. Um, I feel and not bad. just a kid, like an infant, meaning yeah. small enough to hold. You know. But I, I think that we have, well, maybe I'm being but naive. But that, that, that uh, anecdote American. I said about the, the, the like three or four year old child, naked, dirty, by itself, 
at like two, three in the morning Jesus. on an intersection. Yeah, there was no. I don't think there was like a mother nearby, and it just wandered off. No, that was an abandoned child at an busy intersection in the middle of Saigon at three o'clock in the morning. Wasn't begging. You're two. You can walk. Figure it out. Yeah, it's. It wasn't begging. It wasn't asking for me for money. It didn't. It couldn't speak. That's just the. That's what Vietnam life was like. Just. But I, I also feel children. like in in the U.S. though, if you were to see or somebody saw a child walking, you know how the fast street, a naked, cop would be there. If a you cop said there's a there. naked kid on the intersection of Lake Avenue. And oh Spirit my god, street, that kid would be. That kid would be social services scooped up and fed right no. away. There were thousands of people driving by that child, but it wasn't alone. Meaning, like, you drive three blocks, there's probably another one. Not, not to say we're doing it better, but, like, I... No, we are we doing don't, it better. We don't see that here, so... We have social safeguards in this country, and this is what I had to come to terms with after I came back, and I didn't really think a lot about before I went there. Meaning, there is poverty in this country, there's oh, hunger yeah. in this country, but no, it's not like... And I'm not just saying Vietnam... Mexico, or a hundred other countries I'm not aware of. We don't have the level of poverty or hunger that these other countries have. Meaning, like, even in Duluth, we know there's the Union Gospel Mission. There's Damiano. If somebody wants a meal, you can have a meal that day. You can't do that in another country. I I feel like there's enough uh, bleeding hearts out there, too, that if a naked child were to be on the street and, and say, walk into a... And any, you don't even have any to be homeless, Johnny. You and I tonight, we could go to the Damiano and have dinner. We could go to Absolutely. Union Gospel and have lunch. They don't ask questions. We could also grab a shitty piece of cardboard and stand out by Coles and you can't do that dance in Vietnam. For a dinner. Meaning, like there aren't those social services available. So I don't want to make it sound like oh we have it so much better, but we do. Meaning there are social programs in place to protect people that are of need. People fall through the cracks for sure, schizophrenics and what have you that don't have addresses and that. But they don't have to go hungry, at least in Duluth. I know for a fact because I've worked at those places because of community service. If you're hungry in Duluth, there is a half a dozen places that if I was hungry today, I know I could go and get a meal. They don't have that everywhere. I'll say volunteered or worked. (laughs) You're on community service too. Actually not. I have not actually been... uh, Sentenced to any community you service. You did it out but, of the kindness but, of your heart? God bless eh, you. No, okay, so um, the, the company that I work for, uh, UHC, like, we get, we get multi, um, it's like four hours a quarter of paid time to go volunteer. So, like, oh, we do team outings where we go to the, uh, uh, the food shelf, the second harvest, or the, I think you know, seven, second multiple, harvest does an amazing job. Multiple different... Um, charities like we're paid for our time like they don't the obviously the charities don't pay us but our company gives us the time off like to go do these things and uh second harvest was one of the ones that i i found to be very i will say rewarding. locally the damiano center chum services we do a lot union for gospel and, mission and yep. that second harvest those are all amazing organizations locally yeah all of they those do a lot of good work i've done different and lutheran for. social services oh which, my god yes especially if you have outstanding credit card debt lutheran social services shout out to lutheran social services if you owe money to the irs to a credit card to a bank reach out to lutheran social services oh and do say do do Bring up Lifehouse as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, shut up, oh, me, Lifehouse. Dave. 
That would, that would be something that Lifehouse. we're talking about kids walking around on the streets. I pick like, up a lot of dates at Lifehouse. They're have, great. <laughs> you are a son of a so bitch. So wrong. We're all going to hell. You are such like a bleeding heart, <laughs> but you are such a son of a bitch. I don't think I've said this since like episode Sometimes three, but we're all going meal, to hell. Right? That's all he needs. Someone to rub you, you know, stroke your hair and give you a hot meal. That's all they need. Okay, so moving on. Uh, we, <laughs> yeah, I want a mimosa. Okay, segue. Uh, we, we, we've uh, we've hit the, the the final fifteen minute shout on the fifteen for this part of the podcast. Uh, this will be a two parter podcast because um, we haven't gotten through shit. This is going great. No, I said uh, we're really enjoying this conversation. We all know a lot of times in the bar, you get to talking to somebody interesting, and that conversation goes on all night. Uh, so with this shot right here, uh, we are going to close down part one. To Dewey. Uh, with Dewey. Cheers. Cheers. Sorry, I got a little somber there for a minute. Oh, no, no, no. That's all right, man. It's I not got a good my soapbox a little bit. It, it is borderlining uh, political-ish. No, not really. But it's not. It's, uh, we're not. Yeah. No poverty and, I mean, and this is malnutrition. That's history. That's, Bummer. Yeah. Bummer it's Central. I did but not know. It's interesting. Uh, you know, about how you know, life was in Vietnam right now. You know, you, you don't hear much past, um, you know, the U.S. military pulling out. Um, they were well, so if more sad. of them would have pulled out. If more people yeah, pulled yeah. out. Yeah. Pulling out. I'm not, I'm, a, I'm a personally, I'm against pulling out. Yeah. <laughs> so look out for, uh, you know, part two. two Shout out to Carter. Part two. <laughs> part two coming out. Uh, look, look out for part two of uh, this podcast. 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 Uh, this podcast coming out, uh, you know, a couple days afterwards. Our Patreon donators will have a, uh, you know, first listen because uh, I will post this on page, the second part on Patreon for our donators to hear it first. Uh, so if you haven't donated to Patreon and you want to hear this podcast for everybody else, uh, please help us out. And we'll partner. See you later.